Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast. It is Friday, April 21st, 2023. And uh, this evening we've got a lot of great uh, content to get to here. I thought we were going to have music playing there, so it caught me a little bit off guard. That does happen sometimes when we do these things live. There it goes now. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. The Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show. Your hosts are here for the show tonight to interview our special guest. A show highlight, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Show, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, boxing, tennis, golf, story. Podcast. Once again, it is Friday, April 21st, 2023, and I got thrown a curveball there at the beginning of the show. The music was a little bit delayed, so I apologize, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for that. Uh, but tonight, uh, Alan and I have a lot of great uh, content to get to here on the show, a lot of baseball news to, uh, to discuss, and uh, as we, uh, of course, are uh, about two weeks or three weeks into the season now. So, Alan, uh, it is Friday, the 21st of April. How are you this evening? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure being here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show with you, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, of course, uh, as I mentioned there a moment ago, we've got a lot of good stuff to get to. Uh, the NHL playoffs have just started. Uh, NBA playoffs are uh, right about to uh, start as well. Uh, we've got some Major League Baseball stuff to get to, uh, some XFL, of course, uh, boxing, and then we're going to have another – uh, great uh, new song from our buddy Sam Scola here tonight. So uh, before we get into all that, uh, our uh, favorite guest is on the line here with us now tonight, and that would be, of course, Lou from Thanks. up in the New York, New Jersey area. Lou, how are you tonight? All right. And I'll tell you, the city is buzzing. All five teams for the first time in nearly 30 years, all in the playoffs. I wish I could say it was bad news for the Nets, though, because, you know, they're really uh, – well, what can I say? I mean, they haven't really had time to throw it off yet. I mean, at least game three was really working pretty up last night, but games one and two, not so much. <laughs> but yep, it's definitely. 
My Knicks are doing a good job against Cleveland right now, so that's something to be thankful about. There you go, and and definitely want to thank our great sponsor, Two Lou, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce, so delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. Want to thank our great sponsor. Get your four pack at flbbqsauce.com. Flbbqsauce.com. How you been, I'll Lou? How you been? Group. I'll call my support group tomorrow morning. Okay. So, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> you get the you get the idea. No, that's all right. How you been so far? All right. Well, like I say, you know, it's um, it's, it's a great time to be a sports fan in the New York area. Okay, now my streams are working. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. playing shutter. I'm happy. My nephew is not. Sorry, but oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a Devils fan. I'm a Rangers fan, but I've been a Rangers fan before he was even born, so he can't hold me accountable for that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You know, they're doing good. You know, definitely, they're one of the only series that that has two games, so they're doing really, really yeah. well. But I'm not really solving it yet because. Um, I've seen what happens with the last time we had a 2 nothing lead against Tampa Bay, and we lost. So, uh, you know, having 2 nothing, you know, is great, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. So, you know, I'm a little skeptical right now. If we can win against them tomorrow, uh, maybe that might, uh, you know, I'd be a little more convinced. Because 2 nothing, it is, it is a lot easier to come back from than what most people think. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Lou. A two nothing lead is is still not something that someone cannot overcome. Yes, even you know, even what happened to the Yankees. I was gonna say a three game lead isn't even good enough sometimes. So yeah, since that has happened, since that has happened, no series is over till it's over. I even asked that question to Johnny Damon, which I got to post up that video. But I even asked them, I said, hey, when you guys started coming back against the Yankees and now it was tied and you hit that home run and you guys really did well in that game, you got out of the gates real early and started scoring a bunch of runs in the game, did you think it was over? And he said, no, it's not really over till it's over. As a Yankee fan, I was thinking it was over. But we over meaning did. the Yankees were done, meaning the Yankees were out. They were going to complete the four-game sweep and be – the first team to make history. We were I was thinking, thinking like, that. We were, we were all thinking yeah. that. Yeah. Especially how they beat him up in game three. But somehow, you know, it's, it's uh, Boston trying to win in game four. And it was ne- it's never been the same since. And I was just sickened by the whole thing. And I was just sick. Yeah. And then that game seven, they, Johnny Damon hit that grand slam, I believe. If, I oh, believe it was well, a grand well. slam. And. A grand slam. Uh, and the Islanders win, and we have a series now, sort of. Yeah, so w- what are your thoughts on that, Aaron, about it ain't over till it's over? Well, I mean, you can't uh, you can't say that you won the game since the 27th out's been recorded. Um, you know, I know this has been 20 years ago nearly, but, you know, looking back on that series, obviously well, we're talking future. As the saying goes, yeah. you can't rest on your laurels. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You're right, and, and even the Braves, the Braves against the Yankees. Do nothing. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's still a sour one for me, so. <laughs> yeah, it's not that series. Yeah, I know. 
But starting in that series, it was awful because, you know, we were getting, we were not getting beat. We were getting clobbered in those games. In our own home ballpark. I'm like, this can't be happening. No, you're right. So, so you're absolutely right. It's not over till it's over. But they are looking really good. What do you think they need to do to close out the series? Uh, well, let's see. We can flatten the goaltenders, uh, flat tire of the car. Um, <laughs> they just got to deal your offense. They just got to deal with the offense. I mean, Devils have a good defense, but we have a stronger offense, so we have to keep that up. Uh, we need we need a goal scorer. So far, we're out even we're even outscoring the Devils. We're up ten to two over them in this first two games. So if we can keep up with the onslaught we've been having with their offense, I think it's going to be a you know a done deal. But um, you know, but I was I was originally thinking you know a seven game series because these two teams know each other, you know, all too well. So you're gotta be thinking it's gotta be something of a of a battle here for bragging rights. But what I'm more concerned about though, and I'm not even a fan of this team, but if you have one of your star players out, oh boy, are you in for a series now, buddy? I mean, here we are thinking last week the Bruins are just gonna just are just gonna take over this entire series, and you know, just just run away with it. Now, not so sure. I mean, Bergeron is out with some kind of an injury, so uh, that's been a advantage to Florida. Could this be happening? Could we see another collapse of a season that was so great it's not going to be gone shot to hell? So, I, so I, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. That's definitely yeah. a great point. I mean, you know, here we are thinking, well, let's see. They broke the record for most points in the season, more games in the season, and everything else. And then to have this, you know, happen with them even losing a game, like we could be seeing a tragedy of proportions in the hockey world. You're absolutely right. And we definitely don't want that. Yeah, so. We're calling me a skeptic, Bless but, you. Uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen things like this before, but it's just, you know, Unreal. And the owners win three, three to one over Carolina. Okay. Well, you know how I feel about the Islanders, but then again, uh, you know the story behind that, of course. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It's not over till it's over. And no, but the I, Islanders... was, I was thinking of something else, of course, that pertains to the Islanders, and you know that by now since you have, <laughs> you know, since you know me over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they they're down unfortunately. Oh two. Up there. Then Eric is now was now this fan, and you know he was like with them for all four championships. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your thoughts, Aaron? Uh oh. Uh oh. We got we got an update here. Uh, this might be good for this might be good for the Nets. Embiid is out for Game Four. Ooh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I did see that there, and we'll we'll catch everybody up with the basketball news next week. But yeah, you definitely there's a lot going on in the basketball world too. We'll catch our fans up next week on that. What do you got cooking on your show this weekend? Well, of course, we're going to discuss with the uh, AHL NBA playoffs uh, throughout the show, of course. Uh, we'll also take a look at the MLB, including their injuries, because it's a massive list of injuries now. Uh, we'll take a look at the final week of the XFL, and we'll also concentrate on the USFL, if that's getting underway. 
Uh, I know you probably won't make the show tomorrow, so maybe I'll ask you this question right now. What do you think is a better league, the XFL or USFL? Or the third option, I don't care. You can put that in, too. <laughs> so XFL, well, I mean, you're still a hater, are you? You're still a hater. I mean, I would have to say I have a very biased opinion, and I would say without unequivocal doubt, the XFL. But I am biased because I cover, mm-hmm. I've covered the Orlando Guardians the entire season, which I'll talk about the XFL a bit later in the show and more about the Guardians, a lot more insight. But, yeah, I would say it's not even close. I would say the XFL. It is very good, though, that the USFL is back because it's another opportunity for players, coaches, and fans to get more football. So I definitely love the concept, but I just don't think they're in the same ballpark. What are your thoughts on it, Aaron? Um, you know, I, I I was skeptical of the XFL, you know, here in its third reincarnation, I guess you could say, you know, when the season started. Um, I think they've done some things right. Obviously, it's not going to be – at the level of the NFL, everybody's aiming for it's not going to be there at this point. It's going to take some time to get to that point if it ever does there. But I think it offers an alternative to regular season NFL football. It gives people a chance to watch football in the off season of football, if you will. And I think it keeps people excited for you know we got the NFL draft coming up next Thursday. Um, now we have the USFL starting, so I think it gives people that opportunity to now have football essentially in a year-round capacity. Yeah. The NFL season, if you count the preseason and everything, goes from basically, what, mid-August until early February, that's about six months roughly. And then, you know, right after the Super Bowl, you have the XFL start, and then now that's coming to an end. You have uh, the, you know, USFL back, and then you'll have a little bit of time. You'll have training camp coming up here in, what, three months or so. And so that'll kind of change things a little bit, and we'll be right back to the beginning of the, the NFL season. So I think it's nice. I think they're about the same as far as the leagues are concerned. I think they're they're probably in the same. I, I would actually give the XFL a little bit more credit because their games have had, in my opinion, just in the, the, the views that I've seen of them, and I've only watched just a little bit of the USFL here in their first uh, weeks. I think it was last uh-huh. week or two weeks ago. Um, you know, there's more fans of the games for the XFL games. And I think the – USFL is all playing in the same stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Or am I wrong with that? So, uh, so no, you are correct. You're correct. Three locations. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that to me, now I know why they would have done that a couple of years ago with the pandemic stuff going on. But now that it is, um, you know, we're, we're past that nasty point we were at two, three years ago. To me, they should have these teams playing in their home stadiums, wherever those might be. So, um, I think the USFL – actually has a little bit of catching up to do uh, to the uh, XFL. I couldn't agree more. I definitely do think that, you know, it, it could be the dynamics of money. You have three owners, and definitely that makes a difference. But the XFL, this version, the 20, 2023 version, you know, I'm going to talk more about it later in the show, but it's outstanding. And I'm definitely biased because I even said this on the show Get Rich and Die Golfing, thank you for having me as a guest on the show. They asked me about the XFL, too. I am definitely biased, Lou, because the XFL is following me, Alan Alfred, and I'm very proud of that. I didn't, get, I didn't start this for those type of perks. It's definitely something right. I'm flattered and honored about, 
but the XFL is following me on Instagram. And I am very proud of that because it's something that they didn't do that right away. It was towards the end of the season. But I am biased, but I definitely do think the XFL is doing great things. All right. Yeah, so... Is it giving that? Yeah, yeah so... Well. So you got yeah, that? You're going to... You... Go ahead, Lou. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, without Bergeron, Boston looks like they're back in control. They're up 3 nothing now over Florida. But that was so well lasted. Oh, wow. So, yeah, they got their work cut out. One of the things... I'm always nervous about game three because that's a pivotal game in any series. Yeah. They got their work cut out for them. and But it definitely sounds like you're going to have a great show. For... I hope so. Oh, yeah, you're definitely going to do great. And that's uh, between four and six tomorrow's Eastern Standard Time Zone. Yeah. And that's Lou on the Enhanced Sports Show, 512-543. Four six six two, and it's five one two five four three. Remember one thing: that we're also on YouTube. All you gotta do is type in. Uh, we go to YouTube, type in the Enhanced Sports Show, and then voila. Yep, there you go. YouTube now too. So he's doing big things, Lou, on the Enhanced Sports Show. Make sure you guys support him. And four to six tomorrow. But yeah, Lou, we definitely appreciate you. Always appreciate you. Thank you. You're very welcome. I remember it's East Coast time. Yep, East Coast time, 4 to 6 p.m. And most importantly, toll-free as well. Awesome. Yeah, won't cost you anything because you have your self-respect, beaming, nerve, pride, all the unimportant stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But definitely, we appreciate you, Lou. Thanks, Five years later, we'll still get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, gentlemen. We'll talk again next week, same time. Are we looking forward to it? Always a pleasure. Okay. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. All right, our good buddy, Lou. Thank you for joining us here tonight. So moving right along, uh, obviously, he was kind of getting into some of the subjects we're talking about here tonight. Um, We're going to start here with some MLB news. Uh, Obviously, there's couple of big things going on as storylines just pop up out of nowhere throughout the season, things happen in games, uh, you know, different things occur. I want to go first into Allen, um, one that I think we kind of saw coming, but maybe the timing of it was a little bit, uh, you know, I want to say out of nowhere, but maybe a little surprising. The Oakland A's are going to follow the former Oakland Raiders to Las Vegas and become the Las Vegas Athletics. Uh, that was announced here, I believe it was Wednesday, um, they're going to, they're purchasing land, uh, there in Vegas and they're going to build a ballpark and hopefully be there by 2027. Um, that's a big flashy story, a billion dollars, uh, for a ballpark there and a big investment on behalf of this organization and a city that probably deserves a major league team. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, what are your thoughts initially on this decision for them to say, Hey, we're, We've been open behind. We've t- uh, tried for 15 years or longer to get a ballpark built there. Now we're moving to, to Las Vegas. What are your thoughts on that? As you mentioned, I wasn't surprised. 
maybe the timing, I was a bit surprised on that, but I wasn't surprised because they were talking about moving. Oakland has been saying that for about a year and change. And when it came to public that they had purchased the land, that pretty much says it all. You know, the fact that they bought that land, that's saying it's a wrap. And I'm not surprised. You know, this is one of the things that fans have to understand, unfortunately, is a business. As much as me as a fan and me as someone who covers some of the sports, I might like to think that it's it's not business. It's just sports, guys competing at the highest level. That is true, but there is a financial aspect behind it. And unfortunately, if you are an owner and you have fans who are not supporting the team or it's becoming a burden financially for them to kind of stay in the same market, just like any business, they're going to pick up and go. And I know some of the fans are disappointed that are in Oakland, but hey, this is this comes with the territory when you have a team that, unfortunately, you don't support on a regular basis. And I know the Rays are think, have been talking about moving for a while, at least moving from not just here, from one part of the state, one part of the area to the other. They've been talking about playing some of the games, you know, in Canada. So, I was not surprised, actually, by this move when it became the, the public, when they made that public statement that they basically said, hey, we put a deposit on the land in Vegas. And I was like, well, we did see this coming. This is some of the, this is the, the business side of sports. So it, it does. Sometimes people get hurt. Their feelings get hurt, fans, players. But unfortunately, there's a business component to sports. What were your thoughts? Um, I wasn't surprised either. I think that, I, and I think it's the same thing of the Rays. We'll kind of talk about that here in a moment too. Um, I think we kind of knew by the end of this year with the, the, the athletics, they were going to make a decision on where to go. And I think this is good for them because here's the thing. The reason why they needed a new ballpark in Oakland, or at least in that area, is very obvious. You think about the, the Oakland Coliseum or wherever they call the thing now. It's dilapidated. It's coming apart. It's an old facility. It's 50 years old. I know they re, redid it here back in the 90s so that the Raiders could have their football games there and have, of course, a bigger capacity. But it, it's, it's become an eyesore, essentially. It's not a, not a good ballpark. And when you consider it's way behind in the times, one of the big revenue generators for ballparks is the amenities that they have, luxury suites all the businesses and stuff that are around them. So you think about Vegas, which is obviously probably one of the wealthier towns out there, probably the wealthiest that did not have a major league ball team. I, I don't know that for a fact. I'm just speculating on that. But this is going to be, I think, good for revenue generating for their team going forward. Think about the A's. They've always been kind of a small market lease payroll. They have one of the smaller payrolls out there. I think that'll change drastically by them going to Las Vegas. I think they're going to be able to attract more fans. Um, maybe a lot of tourists that are there, of course, visiting Las Vegas. But Vegas, you know, Vegas is a baseball uh, town in, in a lot of ways. They've had a minor league team there for a long time. Um, there's a lot of big name baseball players that are actually from Las Vegas. Not that that necessarily has anything to do with the team moving there, but there, there's an interest in baseball, and it's been there for a long, long time outside of just the gambling aspect of it. I think the money will come in, and I think it'll allow the athletics to 
maybe be a little bit more active in free agency in the future. That's, that's usually a big thing. I think the same thing with the Tampa Bay Rays. If they ever get to their new ballpark, that additional revenue will put them in a position where they can go out and be more competitive in terms of, you know, signing free agents or making trades and adding on payroll. Um, ultimately, um, it's Oakland's loss because they've been trying for probably about 20 years now to build a new ballpark. And they had a couple of different spots they wanted to build it in. The most recent one seemed like it was very promising. In fact, a year ago, it looked like they were actually very close to making an announcement that they had, you know, secured the land and secured the funding and it all just kind of dissipated. I think there was some, some legislation that took place out in California, which California is kind of a mess when it comes to a lot of that stuff sometimes. So um, I think that really kind of did them in. And at that point, like you said, ownership had to say, look, we can't continue to, to sit here and not know what the next direction is going to be. We need to paint a five-year picture, and here's that five-year picture now, and it's got the A's plan in Las Vegas. So here's an interesting side note to all this, um, just as a baseball historian. You think about the athletics. They started out in Philadelphia. They moved to Kansas City, then they moved out to, uh, to uh, Oakland uh, back in the, the 60s. Now they're going to be moving a little further east and going to, uh, to Las Vegas. Uh, they're, they're the only uh, that I am aware of. They're the only Major League Baseball team that will now have, when they make this move, played in four different cities as their home city, and of course, uh, four different states at the same time. So it's kind of an interesting side note there. Yeah, and and for those who don't know, I know things change, neighborhoods change, but watch that thirty for thirty that has Marshawn Lynch, and I guarantee if you watch that Marshawn Lynch thirty for thirty. He's from Oakland, and why that's relevant is because, boy, I tell you, if you watch that 30 for 30, you would look at Marshawn Lynch in a different way. He was raised in a really, really rough neighborhood in Oakland. And to this day, even being all the way on the East Coast, I still hear some stories about Oakland and things going on. And it, it's, it's kind of not the best of neighborhood. I'm trying to say that as politically correct as I can. And unfortunately, they were the Oakland A's have been singing this tune for a while that, hey, guys, we're thinking about moving. If you don't come out and support and you don't do this, these this is what happens. Teams move, pick up and move. So it's not it's not a surprise to me. Unfortunately, maybe the timing is like I, I'm a little surprised they said it in the, just when the season started. But it's not a surprise to me that they're moving. So, you know, the only reason why I say it's it's a little difficult when you go to Vegas is not because there isn't money there, but you have a lot of competition. There's a lot of other things going on. Now you have the Las Vegas Raiders. You have now, you know, as far there's other businesses and other, you know, it's not baseball, but like you said, the minor league team, there's other substitutes. Now you have the XFL, the Vegas Vipers, you have them yeah. moving in. So you're competing for the same dollars, entertainment dollars. Is What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's the best place to do it, in my opinion. I mean, you think about all the money that is there, and it's not just the money that's there from you know the tourists specifically, but you think all the businesses that are going to be able to sponsor out there, um, the resorts and everything goes all along with it. That's a resort slash uh you know, tourist town. So I think that um, as far as revenue generating, they may be able to have some of the highest out there just because of what's locally available to them. And then 
that area is still growing. That's the crazy thing about it, too, is they're growing uh, pretty quickly out there, to my knowledge, and it could get even better for them going forward. So you think about the first 10 years after they move there, how things might drastically change, be very good. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely I, I, I wish them luck. I don't wish anything bad on Oakland A's. You know, one cool thing about the stadium, it is an older stadium, but hey, they had the most, this is a fact, a fun fact, they have the most foul territory on the left and right-hand side and behind home plate. And, you know, you know, definitely rest in peace to Jeremy Giambi. When I think about the Oakland A's, he's one of the players that stick in my mind because of that big-time play with Derek Jeter in that series. So rest in peace to Jeremy Giambi. But, yeah, you know, the Oakland A's, I'm sure there's a lot of diehard fans are going to miss them when the, when it becomes because it'll be here before you know it. But, hey, you know, unfortunately sports is a business, and sometimes that's the ugly side of it. You might be on the other side of the business decision. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. And uh, you know what? I mean, people in Cleveland can tell you that with the Browns when they left uh, back in the mid-'90s. Uh, you know, the Oilers fans in Houston when the, the team left and went to uh, Tennessee, both those cities fortunately – got teams again in expansion a few years later. Um, Oakland, I don't see that happening baseball-wise. I just think that, you know, if you couldn't get it done there before, it's kind of like Montreal. I don't think you're going to see baseball back there anytime soon. And that was one of the things, too, you kind of mentioned there before. I know the Rays at one point had talked about splitting their time between the Tampa-St. Pete market and then up in Canada. That got squashed about a year ago by Major League Baseball. They were no longer endorsing that. So, I think the good sign for this, if you're in the Tampa market where we are, is that I think the writing is on the wall that within within a year, by the time we do a show this time next year, I think we'll know for sure the direction of where the Rays are going to go. Are they going to stay in St. Pete and get a new ballpark there? They're going to come across the other side where we talked about a couple of weeks ago building there in uh, in the Tampa downtown area. We'll wait and see. We're looking forward to getting that announcement made, but. Until then, of course, uh, we'll just play speculation, and uh, and you know our guess is as good as yours, kind of a thing. So, um, moving along here in baseball tonight, uh, this was I believe Tuesday. Um, New York Mets starting pitcher Max Scherzer tossed out of the game for violating the substance on the pitching hand uh, rule, and I want to get your thoughts on it first. Was this the right decision? What happened? Like, there's a lot to go here. We could probably talk, make a whole show out of this tonight, but I want to get your in, initial take right out of the gate on, on your opinion on this particular matter. I think there was actually fault on both sides. I, I think Max Scherzer didn't make his case well because he was so demonstrative and kind of like making so much of a scene of it, doing like an adult version of a temper tantrum. I don't think he helped his case out. Now, listening to what he actually said and did, I don't believe there's a legal substance on there. I believe it was hot. His hands were sweaty. He had you know, rosin on it. They asked him to clean his hands. He did, but he still had some sticky stuff on it. It gets kind of convoluted after then. You know, I, watched, I heard what he said, that he washed his hands. He put sweat and, and rosin on it. 
I think there was fault on him also where he could have just did a thorough if, – if the umpire is asking you to clean your hands, make sure you do a thorough job with it. Don't just do a little 20-second, you know, a little 10-second kid job. I would have thoroughly cleaned my hands and done it where nothing is on my hands, even if it's to the point where it's bare. You know, you feel dry hands with soap and water. I would have done that just to make sure you stay out of arm's way because now it wasn't just that he got kicked out of the game. He got a 10-game suspension. I know he and, – and for the fans, he is playing now because of the fact that he appealed it. You get to play through it. Very rarely do those appeals where you actually win, where you don't get some time. They might go from 10 games to eight games, possibly, but you're up against a stack of cards that is not a good thing. I think there's fault on his part. I do think the refs made a mistake too, because I don't feel as if there was something that was illegal on his hands. I really just don't believe it. And I, for his his sake, I hope there wasn't any illegal substance because he did slay away on his kid. <laughs> so for his sake, I hope that I can take him at his word. I don't believe the legal substance on it. I do think that the we talked about this last week and a week before. I do think Major League Baseball player refs have been way too sensitive and looking to make too much of a scene and get somebody thrown out. Or they, I feel like they have, they feel like it's a monopoly now, too much power, and they could whatever they say goes. And I, I do think there was some fault in the ref too, but I, I just think this is a, excuse me, a misunderstanding. I don't think it should have went this far. What are your thoughts on it, Aaron? I definitely agree that it went too far. Um, I don't think that, by, even by the letter of the law of the rule, I don't think he had anything on his hands that he wasn't supposed to. Unless there's forensic evidence that it was something other than rosin and sweat, it shouldn't have, should not have even been a, 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 an option for them to even look at his hands. I mean, obviously they have to look at it each inning, um, but this was actually coming back out, from my understanding, to start a new inning. So there was really no need for that to even be addressed. And even the fact is, you have a rosin bag on the mound. The bigger issue here, in my opinion, is this. They made this blanket rule mid-season a year ago where pitchers would get an automatic suspension and an injection from a game in the event they were found with something on their hands. And they, they did this, in my opinion, too swiftly without having full uh, appreciation for the reason why some pitchers have a substance on their hands is to be able to be able to control the ball, especially when you get into, you know, the hotter months of the year and you're dripping sweat out there on the mound. It doesn't matter if it's in the day or in the night. That ball becomes very, very hard to, to, to grip. And the important part of that is batters will tell you this, too. They don't want pitchers out there with nothing to be able to put on their hands. They don't want to get hit by a, a fastball that comes up and in on them. So, I think this was a, a big mistake. I think Major League Baseball has some definite things to review. And the interesting thing about this, the umpire that made this decision and, and threw Scherzer out of the game is Phil Cuzzy. He's a good umpire. But ironically, he is the only umpire that's ejected anybody this year for those violations. I think that there was two others that happened. It might have been last year this occurred, but there, he, he's the only one who's done this at this point. So to me, it seems like Maybe there's something more to this. They need to look and investigate a little bit just to get kind of to the bottom of it. But the rules need to be more defined, better, better, uh, easier for the players to understand. 
I mean, you think about 10 games, it's only going to end up being two starts for him because he's a pitcher. But that's two starts. You go without one of your best starters. The Mets are a little bit banged up already as it is anyway. So that, that can certainly hurt them in the long run. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's not a good thing for the Mets, even if it is two starts. Still, I, I believe it's more to do about nothing. To to be real, I think this is a biz, big misunderstanding. And Max Sorzer, you got to understand that, hey, yes, you're a, you're a big-name guy, and, but sometimes you got to get yourself out of arm's way. I would just say, when the guy asks you to clean your hands, make sure you do it thoroughly and just just do it. You know, to kind of save any question, even if it's meant that, yes, you may have to suffer for this game, just get through it so you could still continue to play because this thing got blown out of proportion. He was he was very demonstrative on the sidelines. I mean, when you do stuff like that, you create that type of scene. You almost kind of, in a way, to give the referee a little bit of defense, you kind of put him in a way where you, you're kind of forcing his hand to throw you out. Because it's just you, the, you know, the gyrations are just too much. And I think the, the Major League Baseball referees have gotten very sensitive over the last two or three years, though. I mean, it's, it's, it don't take you much to get thrown out. And I, I felt like back in the day, they would give you a lot more leniency. Now it's, it's kind of like today's society. You know, the cancel culture, you're out. You're out. No pass go, you're out. Say something we don't like, you're out. And I feel like the refs are, are kind of like doing the same thing. You're, you're out of here. Even if you're walking away and saying something, you're not even facing me, you say something underneath your breath, I hear you, you're out of here. <laughs> you know? So it don't take yeah, you much yeah. to get rung up. But unfortunately, this is more than just getting rung up. He's going to more than likely get he's, – he's, I don't see him winning the suspension. What are your th- thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I, I hope he does. Uh, it would serve MLB right to have a little bit of, you know, egg on their face, if you will. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that um, ultimately he'll probably serve at least a five-game suspension. Probably, even if it's only really the big thing here, if he gets it reduced to eight games somehow, the fact that he's been able to, to play through the, um, you know, play through the appeal, he may only end up missing one start. So depending on how that goes, that could end up actually not being such a bad thing overall. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, I, that's what I'm thinking. They, they, if they do anything, they they might reduce it down to eight or seven games. But I, I don't see him winning this. You know, he can't prove anything on his hand now. It's too late now. You can't get another opinion on it now. So yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that's that's it. And the, and the rules, you like you said, they need a more clarification. Like you said, there's a rosin bag right behind the the, the mound. I mean, guys have been using rosin for years. I just, I think it's splitting here. That's what I think. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, and I, I've heard this, uh, might have been right around opening day, so about three weeks back. The talk right now is that there may be substances that they approve, which I think everyone agrees is a good thing. Now, the problem still, though, is if there's not clear rules in place, when you start adding in additional things that you're allowed to have on your hands aside from rosin, you really open up the door to a lot of things that can really become very miscommunicated very quickly. And they're already doing a very good job of miscommunicating, which is surprising because baseball has tried to to make things more clear, have more clarity. 
I think it's actually muddies the waters more at this point. So to me, the union needs to step in and say, look, you know, we need to be a little bit clearer, a little bit more fair in terms of what we're looking at. That way the players aren't out there doing something they're not supposed to and not even realizing it. Cause I think that's kind of what happened in this situation. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Max was trying to, to cheat. I don't think he was trying to get more spin rate. I really don't. The guy's been pitching great. I mean, he's one of, still one of the elite pitches in this league, even at his age. And he's got wear and tear on his arm. And he's still out there. He's a gamer. So I don't think he was trying to get an advantage. I do think, you know, there was fault on both sides. And this is the result. A suspension for 10 games that you have to appeal. Sometimes you just got to do things to get yourself out of trouble and play your politics, even if you're not wrong, just so you can kind of get on by and nothing turns a lot bigger than it, what it should be. And this is the case right here. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent. I agree on that for sure. So, well, three weeks into the season already, that's hard to believe that we've already made it that far. Um, what surprises are you seeing uh, early on in the season as far as, Team, I think I asked this question last week. Teams playing really well, teams uh, maybe not playing so well. Is there one that stands out to you maybe more than another? I would have to say the Rays. That's a great question. I would have to say the Rays. Not that I didn't think the Rays were going to do great. I always feel as if the Rays are a beast in the AL East, and they've been that way for some time now. It's unfortunate they don't get the fan support they really deserve. You know, they were selling tickets. I got an email here for $10 a ticket giving away some great things. In fact, I'll pull up the next giveaway, but they are four games up. They only lost three games. I'd have to say that start is just fantastic. You know, Yankees are four games behind. We always know that the Yankees are going to do their thing. But to get off to that great of a start, I'd have to say the Rays are doing their thing in the AL, AL East. And just like I mentioned, where you, you was kind of questioning, the Pirates are doing well, too. So I'm surprised the Rays are doing quite as good as they are doing. And the Pirates, I've, I'm not surprised with them at all. Yeah, I think the Pirates are a little ahead of schedule. I think that, uh, and again, it's early, so there's no guarantee they're going to stay on this pace. But they're, they're a little ahead of schedule. I think they were looking at 2024, maybe even 2025 before they really became a competitive team again. But they're 14-7 and seven right now. Uh, they're in the uh, NL Central. Um, if you look at that division currently, uh, they're a game behind Milwaukee, who's 14-5. and five. But Pittsburgh's won five games in a row. They, they played really good baseball here of late. Um, and they're actually uh, really playing well. I would say a bigger surprise in terms of not playing so well early on in the season. There's a couple of teams that are kind of lackluster at this point. Um, certainly Philadelphia has not played the way that I think most people expected that they would. Um, so that's one there. St. Louis is a little bit uh, so-so here, 8-11. and 11. Uh, They're in fourth place in the NL Central. You've got the, the, the Dodgers are 10 and 11. They're a game below 500. That's hard to believe that right now. And they got leveled today by the Cubs, 13 to nothing. They got one hit in that game as well. So that's a big surprise where they're playing. I don't think that's going to stay that way for forever. I think this is just a slow start. For Los Angeles, but let's look at two other teams in that same division now. And uh, you got the Padres, who are also 10 and 11, and you got the Giants, 6 and 12. Uh, the Giants two years ago had the most wins in baseball, and it's not much of a different team than it was two years ago. I mean, 
Buster Posey's gone, obviously, but for the most part, it's a very similar roster makeup and chemistry that you had a couple years back, and they're just off to a really slow start there. So that's the National League side of things. I agree. I thought the Rays would be good this year. I didn't think they'd be quite where they are now, so I'm, I am a little bit surprised to some degree. I like where Baltimore is at. They're playing really good baseball right now. Um, White Sox, you know, they, they, they've had a really good roster for about five years now. Um, they moved on from uh, Rick Renteria, who was their manager, to bring in Tony La Russa. That disaster pretty much happened right away. And they go to another manager this year, and they're, they're seven and 13 right now. That's not a very good start. In fact, the team that I thought would be seven and 13 in Chicago was the Cubs, and they're actually 12 and seven. So it's a little bit of a flip flop there in, in terms of who I thought would be in the, those spots. And then I would say probably to a little bit of a degree, Seattle. I mean, they're eight and 11. That's not terrible. You can make that up. Houston is now 10 and 10. Um, they actually came back and beat Atlanta tonight, they were down four to one. Came back and scored five unanswered runs and beat the Braves up in Atlanta tonight. So they uh, have improved a little bit there. So I'd say the biggest uh, biggest surprise positive for me would be Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh and Tampa. I'd say those two, and then I'd say the the Giants and the uh, the White Sox are the teams that I'm most surprised with playing as poorly as they are. Yeah, and then for the fans who who are interested in supporting the Rays, it's Marvel Superhero Day, Marvel. Grot Bobblehead Day on Saturday, May 6th. They're giving away a cool little Grot, uh, you know, bobblehead, which is really cool. You have to have a special theme ticket. But that's what I love about the Rays, man. They do stuff like this. My friend sent me this to see if I can make the game. And I'm going to try to see if I can make it. But you have to have that special ticket. But that's a cool giveaway. You know, I guarantee you, folks, people who go to this game later that night, you check eBay that Marvel superhero, Marvel Grot, <laughs> is going <laughs> to go for a lot of money. I can assure you of that. I can assure you that if you don't go to the game, you're going to have to pay three, four, five times that to get that Marvel bobblehead because that's pretty cool. I mean, hey, Marvel Grot bobblehead from the Rays, and you have to have a, a requires a special theme ticket. I want to make sure that people understand that because that's something new. You know how you used to be able to just pay for a ticket. Anybody who goes gets the, the giveaway. You have to have a theme ticket to go ahead and get that giveaway. And it's not for everybody. So which means it's more exclusive, which means that that's going to drive up the price on eBay. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Well, I mean, that's that's the way you get fans out to games is some of those giveaways. I've been to plenty of those over the years, whether it be in Tampa or Atlanta or other places that I've been able to go. And that was, something that kind of drew me to go into a game was the giveaways. Um, I know way back in 1999 when Wade Boggs was sitting on the doorstep of 3000 hits, the then devil rays uh, announced they were going to give, and I can't remember exactly what the item was. They were giving away a commemorative item uh, for him reaching the 3000 hit uh, marks for every person who was in the stadium that day it was on a Saturday, actually, Saturday evening, if I remember correctly, got that item, and people who didn't go that day didn't get it. So, And I, I actually happened to be at the game the day before he did it with uh, three hits to go, and um, I thought, you know, he, he, he'll probably get two couple hits tomorrow on Saturday. I bought tickets for the Sunday game, and it wasn't quite as good to go Sunday. So, um, But those are neat things to be able to get those kind of uh, perks when you go to a ball game. 
know, the bobbleheads have become a big thing over the years, especially the uh, specialty bobbleheads. Guys have on, you know, the, the special sunglasses or the special chains and that kind of stuff. And that's another big thing that I've seen teams doing lately. you got players who like to wear a certain kind of jewelry um, that kind of markets themselves, and teams are giving that kind of stuff away too. So um, I know the big thing, I think it was last year, uh, they had in Atlanta a couple times, and I think there's other teams that do this too, but they give away the um, teams that have won the World Series, they'll give away those uh, those uh, replica World Series rings. I actually got one from Atlanta last year, and let me tell you, it, it's obviously not the real thing, but it looks pretty darn close. So um, sometimes those giveaways can be probably almost as exciting as the game itself. Yeah, and, you know, for the fans who are listening, I was – I got one of those uh, Wade Boggs little beanies and props to Wade Boggs because he autographed it too here in Tampa at a, an event I went to. So I have one of those. I did purchase it on eBay and Wade Boggs signed it. So it was like a, basically like a mini version of Wade Boggs, but it was like a soft beanie type version. Pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, those giveaways are great. Props to Wade Boggs and Definitely, you're right, those those giveaways. And also, another thing, too, you know, people, fans, you need to go check out the Rays because they used to do concert nights. I went ahead and saw Flo Rider right after a game, and it was an awesome, I mean, amazing concert. So keep your ears open, your eyes open for those giveaways. Come down and support the Rays, and plus, they even have a nice little cool garden hat they're giving away too so if you can't make the marvel theme check it out those things are really cool it's nice that they do those things to get fans to come on in but don't be like the rays i mean don't be like the a's not not the rays if you want the Rays to stay you have to it's on you to come support the tickets were like 10 bucks you got to support the team you got to come out otherwise bye bye there's like a home run bye bye baby <laughs> yep. You got to come and support. No, that's that's 100% correct. Uh, you know, they say uh, the, the line of the movie is, if you build it, they will come. And I think that'll, I think that'll happen, obviously, in Vegas, but I think that'll happen uh, in the Tampa Bay market, of course, down the line. So so there we are with our baseball information tonight. So obviously, um, season's in full swing. We'll be talking about that for the next uh, five and a half months plus the playoffs uh, on top of that, too. So. That'll be something to keep in mind there. Uh, moving right along, uh, we are in the NHL, uh, NHL playoffs. Uh, obviously, Tampa didn't have such a good night. Uh, I believe it was uh, last evening. I think they were down 7-2. to two. Uh, When I turned it on, I quickly turned it off because it wasn't going so well. What are your thoughts on the Lightning? Obviously, they've had a great team the last several years. Is this another year where they get to the NHL finals, or is this uh, the year they finally maybe get knocked out early on? Yeah, I think it gets tougher. As much as I really want the Lightning to make it and win it again, I just think it gets tougher and tougher for them because of their past success. Sometimes when you're a success, everybody puts a bullseye on you, and they play you. They give you your their ultra best. And anytime you have to go to through that to make it to the finals and to get the cup, it gets very tough. For you to go ahead and do that because you're not flying any anybody's radar. It's, it's a known fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning have a very good team. They have 
you know, they have won two cups. So I just think the weird tier of teams giving them their best makes it tough for them. And I do think they're going to go deep in the playoffs. I just worry about them after this round more than next, more than anything I worry about them going into the next round because it just, it just goes from really hard to extremely difficult. Of course, I hope I'm wrong and I hope they win it all. I'm definitely going to be supporting them either way, but I'm also very realistic too. I really want them to win it, but I, I just feel as if they're up against a tough stack. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you kind of have that uh, feeling of they're suspect in the early rounds, but if they can get past that first couple of tests, then they can get there. And that, that's kind of where they were a year ago. You know, they were down uh, to Toronto. They were down, I believe, to, to New York as well. And they were able to fight their way back and move on in those series. And then, of course, they ran into a really good team in Colorado. So that certainly you know, change things up. And I think kind of what happened in that series, I think for, for Tampa last year, they played so hard in those earlier series that really when it came down to how they were going to play in the finals against Colorado, they were just out of energy. They got outplayed. Colorado was such a fast team. I remember commenting to, uh, commenting to, uh, to you last uh, June, I, I'd never seen a team as fast as Colorado was uh, on the ice. And they kind of did what Tampa had done Earlier on in their physical team, I think they, they ran into something that they weren't used to going up against uh, the Lightning did last year. So I think that really played against them. And sometimes, it's, you know, it's the old thing, you get hot at the right time. And, you know, Colorado definitely did that last year. And, you know, we'll see how it goes. The crazy thing about NHL playoff hockey is it's such a long period of time. We're in April. Right now, we're in uh, the, the third week of April. We still have nine days or eight days left in this month. And you think about when the actual Stanley Cup finals are in June, you know, that's almost two months from now when this will take place. So, um, you know, the regular season is going to wear you down and the playoffs are going to wear you down because you're playing a game every other day and you're also traveling at the same time. So there's a lot of dynamics that go into it. And it's just, you have to kind of get lucky at that, to some degree. I think it's almost part of it, too. A little bit of luck is, is involved in it. Yeah, and that's what I think what happens with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think if they had to play Colorado earlier, they would have maybe had a better chance. But to your point, by the time they got up to Colorado, they were so worn out by the, the Rangers and the series that I felt like they just didn't have much in the tank. And the, with the speed of Colorado – I really give the Lightning credit that they made it a close series. They're a series that, with things going their way, they may have been able to sneak a series out of there. But it was clear to me that Colorado was the better of the two teams. I give the Lightning credit for making it a series. But it's it, it just, if they played them sooner, they may have had a better fate. But I felt as if, with that type of energy you have to exhaust, it was really no match. I, I really feel as if, Colorado was the better team. Yeah, no, that's, you're 100% correct on that. that that's obviously they, they ended up winning that series there too. So, uh, but speaking of hockey, obviously uh, we've had a lot of success here in the last several months with uh, our good buddy Sam Scola. And we're going to debut tonight a new song by Sam Scola, and it's titled Going to a Hockey Game. Take it away, Alan. 
That's right. We're going to introduce a great song, debut a great song by Sam Scola. He's a great songwriter there from Maine. Please check him out. You're a music producer. You're definitely somebody looking for some fantastic talent. Sam Scola is the guy. We appreciate Sam Scola and his beautiful wife, Mary, for this beautiful song, going to a hockey game. And that's where all the fans need to do, go to a hockey game. Let's go ahead and hear that great song from Sam Scola, Going to a Hockey Game. Bought my tickets today. A big game is on the way. My seats are near the ice. Feels like paradise. Going to a hockey game. Stop playing names Going to a hockey game So glad we all came It's time to drop the puck Our team needs some luck On a slap shot they score The face off opens the door Going to a hockey game Win or lose, we feel the same Going to a hockey game Skaters with all the fame Going to a hockey game Going to a hockey game Going to a hockey game All right a great song there thank you so much sam scola going to a hockey game by sam scola there in maine thank you sam scola and thank you to his beautiful wife mary for that wonderful song makes me want to go out to a hockey game and watch one of those nhl playoff games so definitely go out to a hockey game and if you need some motivation go ahead and look up sam scola's song going to a hockey game thank you again sam scola we really appreciate you here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely thank you for, uh, Sam, uh, another great song here this evening. Um, obviously, we're at the end of the uh, XFL season here, Alan, too. I know you've been uh, our uh, correspondent, if you will, for the XFL here on this program. And I want your thoughts on the playoff picture as it's coming into full uh, full view here now. Yeah, it is going to be coming down to the end. And XFL is very different than the NFL because the Orlando guardians are actually playing the Seattle. They're playing, I'm sorry, the St. Louis battle Hawks props to the battle Hawks and St. Louis, because guess what, Aaron, they took away their football team. And because of that, it's been now seven the 2015, it's eight years now since a professional football team has actually been in St. Louis. And because of that, the St. Louis Battlehawks have had the biggest draw of fans. It was 38,000 a couple of weeks ago, went dipped a little bit to 35,000. But the reason why this game is so big is because not only do the St. Louis Battlehawks have to beat the Guardians in order for them to have a chance to make it to the playoffs, they have to run up the score on the Guardians in order for them. And that's a legitimate thing. It's not, it's not personal. 
in order for them to actually make it to the playoffs, they have to win this game and then keep scoring in order for them to have a chance to make it to playoffs because now it's going to go into the second factor, which is going to be points scored and differential. So that was one of the things I talked about with the Guardians is that, hey, not only does your competition have to beat you, they got to really annihilate you seriously, like no feelings, all feelings aside, they can't really go for a field goal. They have to go and try to score a touchdown on you and run up that score. And that's what they have to do in order to win. And not only just win, but what they have to do in order for them to make the playoffs because they lost last week. I just think that the XFL playoffs is, is awesome. I love the overtime. I love the whoever made these rules for the XFL, I got to give them props because it gives the consumer to Terrence Plummer's what he said, who's a linebacker of the Orlando Guardians, I agree with him. The consumer is the one who benefits because the rules are awesome. And just a thought on that too, Aaron, is that it felt like interviewing the guys this past week, it almost felt like it was the end of an era. It was almost like they were graduating from high school, let's say, and had a great, fantastic high school career and they know that it's coming to an end. And you kind of had that, like, bittersweet feeling that, and also you had the feeling like the guy to the right and the left, he's not going to be back more than likely next year. He's either going to yeah. be promoted to the NFL or he's not going to be back with the XFL. What are your thoughts on that? Well, and you know, here's here's the big thing that I think um, most people may know this, but if you don't, I'll just kind of throw it out there. You're playing in the XFL. USFL would have the same uh, applied to it as well, but the XFL is because you didn't make it in the NFL. Maybe you got drafted and got injured and got cut, or maybe you never got drafted and you never made it past being on a practice squad. So the the big thing ultimately is guys that play in this league are probably not going to be on the same team more than two or three years in a row. Uh, it's just how it's going to work. That, that, that's kind of the nature of this. It's kind of like minor league baseball. You don't want a guy who's going to be at double A for three, uh, three straight years. So the hope is, now yes, I think we want to see this league succeed, but I think what gives this league more parity maybe than any other sports league out there um, is that your rosters are probably going to be almost completely different from year to year, you might have a team that is really, really good one year, and the next year they're completely opposite, and their their record is flip flop from the year before, or vice versa. So, I think that's going to be kind of an interesting thing. You're going to see guys that are going to say, "Hey, I just don't want to play football anymore." They're going to retire. Um, you're going to have guys who are going to, you know, put up good numbers, and somebody in the NFL is going to give them an opportunity to come and play. I think we'll see stories like that that'll pop up here over the next. Uh, Several months, obviously, we're getting ready for the NFL draft. So usually at the time our rosters start to adjust a little bit, somebody's going to get an interest from a team. I think it's probably going to be more – the more dynamic, I think it's going to be at the running back position because that's an area where teams like to have depth. But you might see a quarterback that played really well, that gets an opportunity, maybe not to be a starter, but maybe gets a chance to come in and compete for a backup position. Uh, those are the kind of things that can happen. So um, – I, I like it. I think it's going to be really good. But again, you know, you look at Orlando. Wouldn't shock me, Alan, if you go back to cover them again next year, and a lot of those guys are either playing for a different team or 
Maybe they've gone and played somewhere else, but the roster is completely different than it was here this year. Yeah, and that was kind of like the solemn, sad thing about this week that came out to kind of a glaring factor, so much so that it's one of those things where, to your point, some players are going to get an opportunity, deservingly so, to get promoted to the NFL. In fact, during the week I talked about that with some of the players, that there's about five or six players that the fans believe, and I agree with some, a lot of the fans, there's about five or six players that played on the Guardians, even though they didn't have a great record, that fans believe should be promoted to the NFL. And I do believe that either those players or some, a handful of them are going to get that opportunity. I do have that feeling that the NFL is going to knock on somebody's door from the XFL because of their performance. And they really should because I feel as if they've earned that right. And we'll take, you know, Terrence Plummer's example, the linebacker. I, I feel as if the fans have said that, that they feel as if he should promote, be promoted to the NFL. I feel that same way too. But at the same token, as you mentioned your point, the league right now, let the fans know this, that the league is determining how many players, if any, get to come back next year. They haven't determined how many, how many yet. There is definitely going to be a 2024 season. However, it's undetermined if some part or none or all, I doubt it's going to be all, but some part or none of the roster that they have will be able to return next year. So just like Terrence Plummer, the linebacker said, is, I asked him, is it bittersweet for you that this is your, going to be your last game since there is no playoffs for them? And he said, yeah, you know, I'm glad that I got an opportunity to play again. And Terrence Plummer did get signed by the NFL. He played a few games, uh, you know, three games, and then um, they basically didn't have a need for him, and he got cut, you know. Those things happen. And not that he didn't deserve to play in the NFL, but it, it was kind of like it was, it was emotionally sad for the players, but it was also emotionally sad for me too. And I really want the fans to understand this and hear this that it has been, and I said this on the show, get rich and, and die golfing because they, they asked me about the XFL. No one could kind of walk in your shoes. And me being Alan Alfred and walk through my shoes the entire season, it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor covering the 2023 XFL Orlando Guardians team. It really, truly has been a true pleasure and an honor. And... I say that unequivocally because of the fact that I didn't know what to expect. And you would not think that with a team that has right now one and eight record, if they win tomorrow, which I think is going to be kind of tougher to win tomorrow. But if they do win, the most they're going to have is two wins. It'll be two and eight. If they win, if they lose, it's going to be one and nine, even with the losing record that they had, it has been an absolute pleasure covering the Orlando guardians. And I can't understate that enough. I do hope that some of the players do get promoted to the NFL. I do also want to let the fans know that this next, this Monday coming up will be, you know, the coach, we're going to talk about the season and things are going, but I think this, this Monday, he's going to probably get some questions from me and the media about like, who do you think is going to go to the NFL? Who do you think, who, if you had your choice, who do you think is going to stay what are your thoughts on that as a or your thoughts on that Aaron 
Well, I mean, obviously, those are questions that are, they won't, probably won't be answered for a while. So I think it's safe to say that that's probably going to be the case on who, who's going to get an opportunity. Um, I would say probably the more important question is, what do you need to do to overhaul your roster so that a year from now, you're talking about a playoff run? That's going to be the thing that's going to be interesting. Who do you want to bring back um, that you believe is going to help this team? Um you know, first year, obviously, things are, are sometimes, you know, hit or miss. Unfortunately for the Guardians, it was a lot of miss this year. Um, but I, I would be anxious to know, you know, what do you need to do so that a year from now it's a different story than it was this year? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, we're definitely going to ask them that. And so much so that next week we will you know, we'll talk to the coach. But it's undetermined if I will get a chance to talk to some of the players I may or may not, but I thought I was assuming that I was going to get a chance to talk to the players to talk about their last their last game. But unfortunately, it's it's some of the players. Literally, when the season's over, they might actually travel to different places, and that's where the reality of sports comes into, where it's a business where you don't know who's coming back, you don't know how many's come back, if none have come back, but you know that not everybody more than likely is going to come back. So that was kind of like the sad part of it is that even though you on this great roller coaster ride, it's coming towards the end of the ride. And now somebody has to stop and get off and go to a different direction. Even if you built up a great connection, it's not guaranteed that they're going to be as to your point, Aaron, that they're going to be back on the team. It's no guarantee that they're going to be back with the XFL is no guarantees at all. If they're going to play football after this, you know, they might be, doing a regular job you just don't know so the point with that is when you get an opportunity in life you have to run with it and take and make the most of it because there is no guarantees there is that you're going to get the opportunity again I know I'm looking forward to the 2024 season what are your thoughts on that if you get an opportunity you got to really shine yeah you got to take advantage of uh, the opportunities because you sometimes you only get that one chance you know for some freshness, you only get one chance to make them, obviously. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to the 2024 season. I think it's great um, that to a lot of people they, they've exceeded the expectations. I think most people, including myself, at the beginning of the year, felt like this is probably going to be another failure, and may have already broken through that because there is a 2024 season to come. So, it'll be neat to see what happens uh, next year. See how these rosters fill out, and you know, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. It will be. It's just going to be great to see another season of XFL. Uh, you know, props to Danny Garcia, The Rock, and Jerry Carnell, the three ownership group, for making the dream possible for a lot of these players, making the opportunity possible for a lot of the coaches. And it's going to be great to see another season because fans want to know that you'll be back. You know, the players might change. But they want to know that the league is going to be back and the league is going to be back. You know, I, I did talk about this on the show too, the get rich and dry golfing. I appreciate them having me as a special guest on the show. I did say that to me, I know that a lot of people disagree with me, but to me, it really isn't a surprise that the 2023 season was such a success and the fact that they're going to have another season in 2024. I just had a real I just knew that this ownership of the three people I've mentioned were going to do something special. 
sometimes, you know, things don't happen for a reason. At that time, it may have not been the right time to, but I felt like at this time, I felt like with the XFL, it was going to be a success. It does not surprise me that the 2023 season was a huge mega success, and it does not surprise me that they're going to come back next year. In fact, I, I've been saying it. I, I predicted it, and it just came into fruition. I will let the fans know, which I did let them know in that show, is that with the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show getting the blessing, which it's to be determined, of us getting the blessing of covering the championship game, I will be in attendance, and as long as we get the media pass and media approval, I will be in attendance to cover the championship game. So I'll let the fans know that who listen to our show that even though the season was over, I was really hoping, which I did say this too, I had requested this early, like around game four. There's 10 games in the season. At that point, I was hoping and praying that, and I really believe that the Orlando Guardians had a chance to be one of those two teams. Unfortunately, that is not the case. I was just as sad as some of the players when they were officially eliminated. But I'm a man of my word. I did say I was I had interest in covering the championship game. I'm not going to fall back on that. And as long as we get the blessing of those media passes, I will be in the Alamo Dome covering the championship game to whatever two teams make it. So it should be fun. What do you think about the championship game in the Alamo Dome May 13th? No, that's great. That's a great, uh, great venue, by the way, too. I know they have uh, the uh, there's a bowl a bowl game I think played there every year. So it's uh, definitely a neat, uh, neat place. I'm jealous that you're going to be able to go to it. So <laughs> I wish I could tag along, but unfortunately, um, you know, can't always be at uh, some of these events. Uh, hopefully, in the future that changes. Um, but uh, definitely looking forward to your coverage and seeing some of the content that you're going to be able to put out. You know, from being there. I love that, that you're putting it into the existence that before I even got to prove that I will be there. I love that. Yeah. You know, that's what you got to do in life. Yeah. You got to speak it into existence, and that's there what it go. is. You know, <laughs> I'm looking forward to being at the Alamo Dome covering the championship game and the 2023 version of the championship game in the XFL. It would be a true honor for us to be there, and we're looking forward to doing a great job. And And even if it's not the Guardians, which I really was hoping and praying it would be, I still will do the very best job I can. And speaking of playoff picture, that's the cool thing about the XFL is that tomorrow and this weekend is a big thing because it's, a, it's not determined yet of who's going to win because not only do teams have to win, you have to run up the score. So you might win and not run up the score enough, and guess what? You still don't make it. But the Guardians do have a chance to play spoiler, and if they beat the St. Louis Battlehawks, the Battlehawks are eliminated. There is no running up score. They are done. So if they, if the Guardians do win, even though St. Louis Battlehawks do have a, a very good record, unfortunately, and they had the biggest crowd, if they lose tomorrow or if they even win and they don't run up the score, they are going to be eliminated. So I want the fans to understand that, that don't get mad if they start going for – touchdowns instead of going for field goals because legitimately the St. Louis Battlehawks have to run up the score. Not only win, they have to run up the score. And that's what it is. It's nothing personal. Terrence Plummer even understands. I even asked him that. I said, hey, 
do you know as a defense and how you're going to handle that, that this team not only has to beat you, they got to pummel you in order for them to advance <laughs> legitimately. Yeah. That's no joke. That is a fact. So he said he's going to, he, you know, they love to play spoiler, but he also did say that, you know, he, he, he's not used to losing. He's from the University of Central Florida. And that's another thing, Aaron, that I wanted the fans to know. Even though the team has a poor record, one and eight, that's no secret. Even the coach will say it's a poor record. A lot of the players on this team, when I spoke to them, you will learn a lot of them came from programs that always won. Whether it was a big conference, whether it was a small conference, they were used to winning. And this is a different type of beast to them. There was only about one Savion Patton did say that his team really didn't win a lot, but he was probably the only exception to the rule. Everybody else said that they were used to winning games. This is a different animal altogether to them. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree with you uh, in that aspect there. I think, um, you know, you're going to play. I'm I'm kind of at a loss for words on that, to be honest with you, Alan. I think that – Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, when you – you know, not everybody's used to losing. So when when fans – that's another thing that I did learn about covering this team, that you get a chance to see and see what's really going on when you cover a team, meaning you get a chance to see a guy who's really distraught or really upset about a loss, and you get to see they're right in front of you. You get to see how it feels like when a guy makes a bad play after the game or makes a fumble, the stuff that you might take for granted, this is their livelihood. Even kicking kicks, by me interviewing the kicker, it's a system. He's not just going out there kicking kicks. He practices it. He knows his distance. He knows, like, okay, I'm on grass. I'm on turf. I need to be within this range. He even he even said that the balls from the XFL he feels as if he gets a little less different distance than he did playing for the Bucks. You know, I'm talking about Jose Borgales, who was signed by the Bucks, and unfortunately Ryan Suckup had a better he had a better preseason than Jose. That's why Jose got cut, and that's why he's playing for the Orlando Guardians. But he played for the Bucks, you know, at least you know the throughout the preseason. And now he's playing for the Guardians. And he said, the NFL ball, I feel like I get a little bit more distance with that particular ball than I do with the XFL ball. And kicking, you know, I said, well, there is a difference, too, with the turf. You know, in in Orlando, it's turf. Whereas Raymond James, it's actual real grass. And he said, that does make a difference, too, in your distance. So when you kick and kicks – I'm telling you, folks, it's not as easy as it sounds or looks. You'll have a big appreciation for kicking if you watch an interview that I did with Jose Borgales or if you ever talk to a kicker for 10 to 15 minutes and kind of break down their mind. What are your thoughts about making kicks? One of the harder things to do in sports. I mean, just ask, uh, what was the guy's name for the Bills in 91 in the Super Bowl? Scott Norwood. Um, should have been an easy kick. He'd made that kick, you know, dozens of times throughout the season, a short kick to win the Super Bowl, and it goes goes wide. Um, 
you know, those are those guys, too, the, the kickers. And, you know, there's been guys who played in the league for 20-plus you know, years doing that, played until their mid-40s. Some of them, like uh, Morton Anderson, would be a good example. Um, those are the guys that you love when they're kicking the ball well. And, you know, you miss two or three. Look at what happened to the Cowboys uh, here uh, recently. Uh, you know, I think it was in the playoffs. You know, you miss a couple kicks, and suddenly everybody wants your head. So you got to make those kicks. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, you got to make those kicks, and he did say that it's it's more pressure in his view when you're making a kick to make the team or or get a job. There's more pressure on him then because there is no fans. It's really the coaches and players that you're kicking in front of. You got to make that kick in order to get your keep a job or get a job. Versus when there's a lot of fans in the stadium screaming. So at least you learn that that hey. But you know it's 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 just like it's just like in the NBA. It's a make or miss league. If you're missing kicks, even if it's only one or two or three, you could be out of a job, literally, and career is over. It's a it's a, it's that's one of the things that I learned too about covering the XFL 2023 season is that you get to see the business side. That if you're not making kicks, you're cut. As nice and cool guy as Jose Borgales is, and he played for the Bucks. This was just in 2021. You'll find stories like that, like, wow, this guy was on a NFL, got signed by the NFL, missed a couple of kicks, or somebody did a little better than he did. They got the gig. He didn't. He gets cut. And now the XFL starts up, and he gets another opportunity. So you get, you get the stories like that, too. Yeah, it's always an interesting thing to see that uh, yeah. and how it takes place. You know, the competition level is always uh, typically pretty high. That's uh, certainly a good thing there. So, well, Alan, uh, as we get ready to wrap up the show here tonight, I know you wanted to share your thoughts on the upcoming Ryan Garcia versus St. Davis fight. Uh, go ahead and tell us your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's going to be a, one of the big fights of this year. I've, I've watched some of the press conferences, and this one is going to be you know, I said Tank Davis was going to win this fight. Now that we're actually getting close to it, the fact that the fighters have actually lost all the weight that they've done in training to make weight, you kind of like get a different perspective. But I'm still going to stick with Tank Davis. But I'm telling you, Ryan Garcia has really, really, I love what he's doing. He doesn't seem intimidated. He's a guy who talks a lot. He hasn't cashed in yet on all his talking. And I think there is a good possibility that he might cash in on all his trash talking for the first time against Tank Davis. There is a possibility, but I'm still going to stick with Tank just because I feel as if he's a stronger guy. I feel as if he's a more experienced. And also I do feel as if he has a little bit better boxing skills. Ryan Garcia is very fast in his attack. But I do think Tank Davis is going to limit that. Still have Tank Davis winning, but I do think it could be a surprise. In fact, let me go ahead and take this call. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. How you doing so far today? Yeah, I'm cool, man. How you guys doing? Doing great. How about yourself? How you feeling? Man, I'm all right, man. <laughs> like you, looking forward to the fight tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this fight. It's a, it's, it's actually a fight that I think is, is cool that the fans get to see. What are your thoughts on the, the Ryan Garcia Tank Davis fight tomorrow? 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched Tank a few times. I've never seen a full Ryan Garcia fight, so I'm, you know, coming into this not knowing much. But being a ridiculous person, the one thing I did see was them, uh, the, the, the two fighters were on a, you know, social media influencers show, and, you know, they were talking about winner take all with the purse. Now, of course, nobody's management is going to allow them to do that. But within the conversation, Tank and the host were kind of able to pressure Ryan into agreeing to it, and that's got me all the way out on Ryan Garcia, man. I'm like, dude, you let somebody talk you into that. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not rocking with Ryan, man. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Tank on this one, man. Yeah, I agree with that, and, and that was kind of crazy. I, I As much as I understand hype and understand promotion – I don't think it's fair to both Tank and Ryan to wage your your purse. You just you deserve to get paid. Whether you win this fight or not, you deserve to get paid. You should not bet your whole purse whether you're going to win or lose. And then you're right. To your point, I don't think they're going to allow that. And they shouldn't allow that because I think you deserve to get paid whether you win or lose. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, period, man. Like That's not even – like to, to me – that's such a ridiculous question. He should have hung up the phone immediately. Like, when you're talking about training camp, all of the people who are with you as far as your team and everybody else who has to get paid, not to mention the amount of life force spent in a boxing match, like, you need to be compensated, and you're not going to be fairly compensated, so you at least need to get as much as you can. So, yeah, yeah, the idea of that is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I saw that. I was like, all right, this this got to be either just for hype because, like you said, no one should allow Ryan. I mean, like you said, they, they kind of baited Ryan into it. And, you know, when you give Ryan just a little bit of leeway and any social media cameras on, he's going to run with it. You know that as well as I know that. he's gonna run, And he ran with it and said, hey, I will bet my purse that I'm going to beat you if you bet yours. And I don't think that's fair to either one of them. Like, okay, you might win, Ryan, or Tank might win. Whoever wins or loses, both parties deserve to get paid. That's that's just what I feel. Like, you put in the hard work to train. You may have won this fight. You may lose it. It might even be a draw, but you deserve to get paid. Like, that, I thought that was ridiculous. What, did, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on the same mind, man. Like I said, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. As, as I was watching it, I was like, man, that is a really crazy concept. I don't even know why he's entertaining this. I don't know why he's not more aggressive and pushing back. But we'll, we'll see, man. Like, ultimately, if Ryan fights, as, as the, you know, the phrase is, like a true Mexican, he will be beloved, and he's got a really strong career ahead of him. But if he is any way passive or gets taken out in a way that doesn't show heart, I, I, I'm not so sure about what happens with him. Like, I feel like we, we had to watch Oscar go through hell and back in order to get the Mexican community to see him as a true, true one. And he earned that. Like, so it, people can criticize Oscar all they want to. That dude had some mega fights and he spit in the pocket with some killers, man. So, he was able to earn that. And with Ryan, I still got questions about that, and I want to see, you know, the reaction from the Latino community about him after this fight. With Tank, 
hey, man, <laughs> everybody loves the undefeated guy who knocks people out. Uh, but when he loses, what happens? And once you move the powers that be off your management team, what happens to your career monetarily? So I, I don't know, man. I think this is a really big fight that's going to determine a part of their careers. No, I agree. I, I, I was saying it earlier. I think this is going to be – if not the one of the big fights of the year, I don't see another fight unless something comes out of the woodworks topping this. Usually these are the type of fights that either one or the other guy kind of ducks and dodges, but they actually are going to give us a fight that we actually want to see. And I think Ryan Garcia has a chance to win this fight. The only way I think he wins this fight though, is if he pressures tank and just wears him down. I think if it goes to a boxing match, I got Tank Davis winning all day long. I think he's going to have to use his speed to his advantage. Ryan Garcia also has height over Tank, too. That's height and reach. That's something he's going to have to use to his advantage, too. So I, I do believe that Ryan could win this fight. Like, you know, Ryan's the type of guy who likes to talk a lot, and he's never cashed in on anything he said. But I feel as if every dog has his day. You know how it is that one guy that keeps talking junk about him being great, and then one day he actually has a great day? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how I see Ryan Garcia. He could have a great day and actually beat Tank. I, I think he's a formidable appointment. I agree with you. I'm still picking Tank, but I would have to say I picked Tank last week, and within a week I think it's gotten – my confidence in Tank has gotten less because I just feel as if – he doesn't seem as confident in this fight. I don't know what it is. You know, he, he just even when he even when he got the guy, even when Ryan Garcia put that purse on it, he had one of his boys in the background. Like you don't need a, another guy with you, like a hype man, you know, to talk your talk. You understand what I'm saying? Like that was kind of like not Tank Davis style. So I, I just think that it is it is something that's a big fight for Tank too. I think the pressure is starting to get on Tank 2. And when pressure mounts up, anything can happen. I still got Tank Davis winning, but I think it's a 60-40. I had it more 70-30 Tank Davis. I think it's more 60-40. If anything, it might be like 55-45 Tank. I still go with Tank, but Ryan Garcia could win this fight. I definitely think he could. Okay. See, I'm glad to hear that. Like, like I said, you've got a more informed opinion on this than me, because uh, I haven't seen enough of Ryan to really you know what I mean? Be, yeah. Be, uh, be as loud as I normally am about my opinions. But the, the other part of this is, man, there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow in a way that didn't exist years ago. So if you lose and you're mean all night, of course, that's going to be a terrible night for you as far as embarrassment and lack of prestige. You lose a little prestige. But when you win one of these fights in this social media era where <laughs> – from soft drinks to chicken wings, like everything is available for you to uh, promote, sell, and advertise. Like, dude, this is this is going to be huge for whoever wins this fight if it's not a terrible fight. No, I agree. I mean, to the victor, whoever wins this fight is going to come out looking like a rock star because they're not only are these two guys extremely popular, but you're going to be like, you're really going to put yourself on another level if you win this fight including Ryan Garcia. Even though he hasn't cashed in or anything, he wins this fight, his stock is going to go up to the roof. And I think his social media following is just going to be like 
double or, or if not triple. I, I think it's a huge opportunity for both guys. But like you said, whoever doesn't win this fight, it's going to be a long – it's going to be a – I wouldn't even say a long night. It's going to be a sucky month of April for them because they're not going to be able to get over it, I think, that quick. It's going to be a long summer for them. It's not going to be a good summer because they're going to have memes. They're going to have to hear about it all the time. I definitely do think somebody should step in and squash that that, that deal with the betting that the purse because if that's true that you lose your purse, man, that's going to really suck. If that comes out to be the truth. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that is insane, man. And, and uh, yeah, somebody's going to be the king of the internet tomorrow. <laughs> but, man, I, man, I just feel like with Ryan, it's so easy to, like, roll out the whole Oscar De La Hoya package. You get this win, man, that, that superstardom is something else, man. This is, this is good morning America stuff. Like, you put him in anyway. Yeah, this is this is a real deal. This is one of the fights that the boxing fans are actually going to get what we've been asking for. And Ryan Garcia, he did look very good in his last fight. He does have speed. Like, as much of the stuff that he does talk, he does talk a lot. But the guy does have talent. He does he does have talent. He can he can he he can win this fight. I mean, there is no doubt. I I think. He's better than than Raleigh, and I thought Raleigh had a very good chance of beating Tank. You know where he Raleigh was actually winning every round up until he got knocked out. And if if he doesn't knock him out, I think I think I think Raleigh actually goes on and wins that fight. But I I think Ryan yeah, Garcia I, I agree. has to win this fight. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch that yeah, fight? I, I, watching that Raleigh fight, I yeah I, I agree. Because the thing about Tank is like, Tank is like a video game character, man to where somebody took all the sliders for power and pushed them all the way to the side. But as far as the other attributes, they just didn't give them to them. So not the long arms, not the height, like not all the other special <laughs> gifts that other boxers get. He just got that punching power, man. So. Exactly. He has that punch power, and he's, and he's very good and sneaky where he can he's, – he's actually has not only great power, but he has speed to it. So if you kind of drop your guard for a second, he can catch you, and then it's lights out. You know, and right. nice that's, that's the thing with him. He he's he's kind of like that. Got that sneaky speed and power to it, where you could be boxing him. You kind of drop your hand a little bit, and then boom, he hits you with a quick shot you didn't see coming, and it's lights out. But if Ryan Garcia fights a smart fight with his speed, he he could win this fight. I, I I would not I would not dismiss him as much as like you take away all the talk. Ryan Garcia could win this fight. I definitely do believe he could. He would have to have a very good night. Well, you, you got me more into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he, he'd have to have a very good night, meaning he'd have to be bring his A-plus game. He would have to be sharp. He would have to be focused for the whole fight. And he'd have to play solid defense, but he could win this fight. I still am picking Tank to win, but if Tank doesn't bring his A game, then he will lose this fight. I will say that much. Tank Tank uh, got a lot of pressure on him to win this fight. There's no doubt about it. I mean, forget about the money for now. Whoever, you know, forget about the money for now. Tank Tank got pressure to win this fight. There's some pressure on him because people expected him to beat Ryan Garcia. And I've watched both of these the guys fight. And I, this is a very good matchup. Usually, I'm telling you, man, usually this is the type of fight that one of the two camps usually duck and duck and duck. Then it's three, four, five years from now that it might do it. But 
the fact that they're actually right. giving us a very good fight, it's going to be a, a very, very nice, very nice Saturday fight for us. So if if you got Tank winning, how do you think he's going to win? Is it by points, or do you think he's going to get a knockout? Oh, I think he has to knock him out. Uh, I really don't see this being a fight to where, you know, we're going to get close to a decision or anything like that. I, I, I think it's going to be an action fight, a couple of knockdowns, and, you know, something really big happening at some point. I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. If Tank does lose, do people start bringing up the Mayweather camp and all the other stuff of him deciding that he was going to choose his own destiny and making a wrong decision? Like, is that stuff going to come up? People will probably bring that up. I, I definitely agree with you. I think people will find ways to throw mud on you when you're down and kick you when you're down. But to be real, that really doesn't have anything to do with it. He has a very good trainer. Tank is a guy who's focused. I mean, whether you're underneath Mayweather or not, I don't think that would have changed much. I really don't because Tank Davis does have a very good team. And, yes, the manager may have been different. Your promoter may have been different. But I don't think the guys who are in your team would have been much different. If, if I think people would bring that up because that's a, hey, you lost because you didn't have Floyd in your corner. You know, that's the easy criticism. But if Tank doesn't win – I'm telling you, for the whole summer, his summer is going to suck. And the same thing with Ryan Garcia. Whoever loses this fight, that whole summer is going to be trash. Yeah, I mean, dude, the, 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 look, the game was changed after that Pacquiao fight years ago. That last Pacquiao fight uh, between him and Marquez where Pacquiao, you know, walked into that punch. And it just happened to be the time when everybody got really good at photoshopping. And everybody got really good at making <laughs> things to entertain other people, and it just was a free for all all night on Twitter, let alone Facebook. So now that exists for every big fight. Like re- regardless of if you win or lose, people who aren't really even into the sport join in on it. So it, it just becomes something different, man, for big fights. Exactly, and, and I saw I saw the press conference in Vegas. I was like, wow, that's that many people there showing up, like. I knew it was going to be a, a big fight, but I wasn't, like, expecting that type of crowd. That was like a mob scene. I mean, there was a lot of people there. And I've been to press conferences, and I, I haven't seen a press conference like that in a while. I, I think the celebs that show up are going to shock people uh, for this fight. There's going to be people here that are going to surprise people like that are in the crowd. Because, yeah, this is a, like, think about it. We haven't had many really big had-to-be-there type of things. Because even when you talk about the Super Bowl, there's a certain there's a certain amount of money that's required to deal with the Super Bowl for that, that most people just aren't going to do, or they're going to do once in their lifetime or whatever. But as far as like a super fight where people get a reason to go to Vegas, man, <laughs> yeah, you know this this is going to be the fight of the year, if not unless something else comes along later in this year that's going to top it. This is going to be one of the biggest fights, and this is one of the fights that usually they don't make in boxing. They have a history of not making fights when we want to see it, but this is two guys who are in the prime. You know, especially Ryan Garcia, he loves to talk in, in social media. This this is his opportunity. Like, if if you, I know he loves the attention. He loves you know more than Tank Davis. He just loves that that camera. He loves that camera and. If you go out here and you perform and you win this fight, man, 
that your stock is going to be so high. But I'm I'm happy for both of the fighters to make this fight. I'm also happy for the fans because I can tell you're excited about it. When was the last time you were excited about a fight like this? Woo! Been a minute. <laughs> it's been a yeah, minute. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the last fight like this, like a super fight. Yeah, it's been a while, man. I don't want to say Pac-May. It, it was something after Pac-May, but, yeah, there, there hasn't been many. Now, I know you guys got to run, but I, I did want to ask one question before you guys got out. Uh, you guys got sure. Out. Uh, just flipping to the NBA real quick. With Embiid out and Kawhi out for the next two playoff games, are, are we reaching a point to where the NBA ownership has to decide to take a take a loss for a bit and the 82-game schedule is just untenable and we need to shift it to, like, 60 games or something like that. Like, Do you think we're getting close to that now? I think we are, unfortunately. I think we are because the thing about it is that's kind of the worst thing you could happen is when you have superstars who don't play in the playoffs because then – not only is it bad for the league as far as selling tickets, it's just bad for the competition because if you don't play and let's say a superstar is out, people could always use that as Achilles heel as to why you won, you won a series. You know, like even when Draymond Green got knocked out, you know, he got suspended and LeBron came back from 3-1 to win the series, they kept going and talking about Draymond Green. And I don't think that was that was fair to LeBron. You understand what I'm saying? Like, he came back and right. beat you for 3-1. It was an impossible feat. Yeah, exactly. Impossible feat. Matter of fact, the suspension was his doing. And, and then it's ironic that we get, what, seven years later, Draymond falling for it again, where somebody baits him into acting out, and then he gets suspended. Because the bonus was wrong for what he did, but, hell, there's a reason why he did it to Draymond. Exactly. And that's the thing when, you know, like to buy, you know, that's what happened with LeBron. He, he didn't get the credit he deserved for winning that series. I mean, and it wasn't fair to him because I'm a believer that, Hey, don't slight a man for his accomplishment. That was an impossible feat being down three, one. Yes. They lost Draymond green, but Hey, Draymond green knew how many fouls he had. He had to kind of ease up a little bit and he didn't. And guess what? You know, he got suspended. So if that was the turning point of this series, it's so be it. But LeBron came back from 3-1. He could have still lost. And, and you know? he caused it. Like, I mean, Draymond fell for the banana in the tailpipe. He purposefully walked over that man in a way to agitate him, to get him started, and Draymond fell for it. I, I mean, that's – and like I said, we get the same thing with the bonus, grabbing his leg. Exactly. And, and – to Draymond Green, I really love his competitive spirit, but how many times are you going to fall for the bait? You know that the team needs you to be on the court. They need you. You have to be on your best behavior because – and you can't get thrown out. Like, you keep making the same mistake. So, I, I don't feel bad for Draymond Green. I feel bad for the guys who got hurt. But, yeah, I do think it's not a good thing when the superstars don't play in the playoffs. It's just not good for the league. It's not good for the guys who are on their team, and it's definitely not good for the guys who are playing against them because you can say, hey, and B was out. That's why you won. It's an easy criticism. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you may yep, have won yep, even definitely. if he was on the team. 
if he was on the team, you may have still won, but it's easy to say, oh, you didn't win, you won because this guy was out. You know, that kind of waters down your accomplishment. Yeah, and this, and this is your premier event, and, you know, we know when the NFL draft comes on, it's probably going to do twice or maybe three times the number of whatever playoff game is on. <laughs> in the midst of that, yeah. you got stars out, and you're a star-driven league that sells people and personality. Like, whew, it's, it's a tough time for Adam Silver and company. That's right. Yep. <laughs> but, but, yeah. But, yeah, man, thanks for letting me on, man. It was good talking with y'all, as always, man. Oh, same here. We really tremendously appreciate you. Always a pleasure, and you're always welcome to call back at any time. Definitely enjoy that fight. We'll talk about the fight afterwards, like what you thought about it next week. Most definitely. All right, you have a good weekend. You do the same. Likewise. Enjoy that fight. Oh, you too, man. All right, always a pleasure getting uh, great calls here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. But, yeah, I have Tank Davis winning in a close fight. We'll see what happens. And definitely really appreciate the fans. Definitely let you take it away with Chef G's, too. Yeah, absolutely. I want to thank our callers in this evening. Thank our fans for listening in. And, of course, our great partner and sponsor, uh, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting. You may need a support group. I want to thank everybody for this great week. We will be back again same time, same place next Friday. Until then, everybody have a great week. Thank you.